welcome everyone to a new episode of FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm your host, Aaron White, and tonight I'll be bringing you three new reviews. One for an upcoming TV series based on a video game that is much beloved, and two new films. Here on FF Plus, the format is very straightforward. I'll talk about what I liked and didn't like, and I'll give you a recommendation about whether I think a film is worth your time and money. It'll be simple, short, and spoiler-free. With that in mind, let's get to our first movie, The Outfit from Focus Features, starring Mark Rylance, Zoe Dooch, Johnny Flynn, Dylan O'Brien, Nikki Amica-Bird, and Simon Russell Beale. It is directed by Graham Moore and is written by Graham Moore and Jonathan McClain. What's it about? Leonard is an English tailor who used to craft suits on London's world-famous Seville Row. After a personal tragedy, he finds himself in Chicago, operating a small tailor shop in a rough part of town, where he makes beautiful clothes for the only people around who can afford them, a family of vicious gangsters. Now, first of all, if you've seen the trailers for this, I want to go ahead and tell you up front, they kind of paint this film to look a little bit like The Kingsman and be more action heavy. You might be expecting there to be a little bit more gangster action that's not what you're going to get. This movie unfolds more like a stage play. It's a single location thriller that is entirely confined to this tailor shop setting. It works pretty well, I think, and keeping everything locked into this one place was able to help me get over some of the story issues that I had with it because we weren't trying to get too sprawling. I think if this went much longer than it does or tried to get even more cute than it does, it was probably going to continue to drop. My enjoyment was going to fall more as it went on further and further and further. But overall, I did mostly enjoy it by the end. It really does rely on its twists. It is not a story that is... Super interesting on the surface, to be honest. I didn't care one bit about the mysterious tape at the center of this and the potential infighting of the different gangs that we see and what's going on in the sea. I really didn't honestly care about any of that. I just enjoyed watching the theatricality of the situation play out. It starts off very slow. It did take a while before I got sucked into it. I just think that the film believes it is more clever than it maybe really is. Does have a bunch of solid performances. Dylan O'Brien is very good in this. Johnny Flynn, probably a standout outside of Mark Rylance, who is wonderful. He's very subtle in this, but always in control. And his elder statesman nature and gravitas bring something unique to this that it really works. The plot itself is frustratingly predictable, in my opinion. I didn't feel shocked by anything that happened until we started getting towards the very end. And this is where I was saying I think it starts to get a little too clever. They just start to kind of throw reveal after reveal after reveal at you, and it becomes this increasingly unrealistic progression to the point where by the end, I was almost rolling my eyes. I was very close to being like, okay, this is silly, and I'm out on this. 
So again, luckily it ends before it totally tanks all of its goodwill. It's still fun to watch. It's a movie that is interesting, and you will probably have some fun kind of watching the play- players in this whole thing go through their, you know, back and forth and try to decide who's a rat and who's not and all of those good spy flick tropes. But I don't think this is going to be a rewatchable for many people. I don't think anyone's going to walk out of this with their mind blown. So temper your expectations accordingly. This one will be available in theaters on March 18th. Am I feeling it? I would absolutely say no. When it comes to a theater viewing for this, I did not find anything at all worthy of putting money out. If this was dropping on Amazon Prime for free, I'd watch it. If it was dropping on Netflix for free, I'd say, eh, fire it up over the weekend. Kind of like uh, the other Netflix spy film that came out a while back. I can't remember what it was called, but earlier this year, there was one, and this is very much like that for me. It's in that same just mid-tier range of movies that I'll watch, and I'll probably more than enjoy more than not, but completely forget about within the time it takes. As soon as I'm finished recording this podcast, I will not think about the outfit again the rest of my life, most likely. (laughs) So there you have it. That's where I'm at with that one. Next is Deep Water coming from Hulu. Sort of a joint kind of partnership with Amazon Prime, I believe. This is starring Ben Affleck and Anna DeArmas. It is with Tracy Letts. It has Lil Ray Howry, Dash Mihawk, Finn Wittrock, Kristen Connolly, Jacob Elordi, and Rachel Blanchard. It is directed by Adrian Lin, who is returning to filmmaking after a 20-year absence. His last movie was Unfaithful back in 2002. And it is written by Zach Helm and Sam Levinson of Euphoria fame, based on the 1957 novel of the same name by Patricia Highsmith. What's it about? A married couple who have fallen out of love with each other begin playing deadly mind games against one another and begin seeing those around them die. That is a much more haunting plot than we actually see in this movie. A little bit of background. I'm a big fan of the erotic thriller, one of my favorite genres, and I truly wish that there would be a renaissance of this type of film. Adrian Lin is a godfather of this genre. He's made a ton of really, really solid movies about this kind of content, and you would expect it to work in his hands. I was so excited for this that I went ahead and read the Patricia Highsmith novel earlier this year. I've been looking forward to this movie. I've been disappointed because it was getting delayed repeatedly, and then it got dumped onto a streaming service, and we weren't going to get a theatrical release, and I was like, what is going on, Disney? Now that you own this film, you're just kind of treating it like crap. This is the movie, by the way, that Ben Affleck and Anna DeArmas met on, where it led to their brief fling, relationship, whatever you want to call it. And so there's a lot about this that had me excited. When I read the book, I didn't love it. It was okay. And I felt that it was a little oversold to me in the premise. I thought that there wasn't really quite the level of mind games that I expected. Maybe I just have seen this done better since, and so it felt like a lesser product. So fast forward to the movie, pop it in, can't wait. Look, I was massively disappointed by this adaptation. You compare this to something like The Voyeurs, which starred Sidney Sweeney and came out streaming on Amazon Prime in 2021. 
that film is dripping with style, intrigue, thrills, uh, an interesting angle for technology in the modern world, and a healthy dose of titillating eroticism. This movie has none of that. It feels like the lazy work of a director who thought that after 20 years, he could roll out of bed and just make another masterpiece. Look, you cannot be an erotic thriller if you lack excitement, intensity, and sexiness. This has a salacious setup, but it's not even trashy enough to be entertaining. I felt like it completely wasted both stars, and none of the changes that were modernized, because the book takes place in the late 1950s, it's a very different setting, nothing here felt like a net positive to me, so we made an average book into a poor movie. And I give it a little bit of credit on one side because it does end up changing the ending from the book. It goes with a much more ambiguous ending. And I think if the film had been good enough and done more with the character development throughout, then the idea behind the way that it ends might have actually been an upgrade. But I really just felt like this was a waste of my time. And, and it's not, definitely not going to be ushering in the revival of the erotic thriller genre the way that I had hoped. The acting is wooden for the most part. This doesn't have the kind... There's an editing issue. I think there's many scenes that are just these really short snippets and then things are over and we just move on. There's no feeling of buildup and tension in this film in the way that you typically expect to get from an erotic thriller. And having read the book, there's just such a shortcut done on relationships that happen. So people die, as I said in the premise here for the story. And there's no, in the book, there's a lot of kind of expectations that are happening around these relationships that gets to the point where those people die. This fast forwards everything. And when you condense all of that, you don't care about any of the characters. Didn't care one lick about any of the supporting people in this entire story. Didn't care a lick about any of the people who died in this story. We just don't get to know anyone. And the only thing it has going for it is throwing this weird relationship in our face where you have a woman, played by Anna de Armas, the, she, the whole idea behind this is that she likes to sleep around and Ben Affleck's character, Vic, her husband, essentially has an agreement with her that as long as she's not leaving the family, that he'll allow it. And so he puts up with this behavior, but he grows increasingly unable to accept it and deal with it. Which, no, no duh, right? Like, of course, that's going to happen. The way that she treats him is much worse in the movie than the book, I think. She's a lot more angry and controlling about her behavior, whereas in the book she feels almost... It feels like much more of a true agreement that they have. In the film, it just feels like he's a submissive and she is a dominant and she just treats him like utter trash, which, of course, is supposed to be done in order to kind of get you to the point where you believe that he would take the steps that he takes, I guess. Anyway, listen, I don't really have a lot more to say about this. I didn't like it. I was 
increasingly upset as it went on, just waiting for something to be interesting and for it to do anything at all that would make me feel better about having been so excited for this for two years now, but it doesn't get there. It's a waste. It'll be streaming on Hulu on March 18th. I'm not feeling it. I think you should skip it. And yeah, Adrian Lynn should just go back to being retired. Last but not least, we'll talk about our upcoming TV series from Showtime, Amblin Television, and Paramount. That is Halo. It stars Pablo Schreiber, Natasha McElnone, Yaren Ha, Charlie Murphy, Shabana Osmi, Bokeem Woodbine, Kate Kennedy, Natasha Kulzak, Bentley Kalu, and the voice of Jen Taylor. It is directed by Otto Bathurst, Jonathan Liebsman, MJ Bassett, Roel Rhine, and Jet Wilkinson. It is written by Kyle Killen and Stephen Kane, based on the video game series created by Bungie and now continued by 343 Industries. What's it about? Master Chief, a cybernetically enhanced super soldier, defends humanity from the alien covenant in the 26th century. Now, if you don't know what Halo is, you've probably been living under a rock. This has been a video game series that has been one of the most highly praised of the last two decades. It is a first-person science fiction shooter game where you go around as this super soldier killing aliens and exploring this massive sci-fi story that is actually really, really interesting and good and gets expanded upon in an entire universe full of other media like books, etc. So this has been an adaptation that a lot of people have been wanting and have been looking forward to for a long time. Like most of our video game adaptations that I talk about, I've got to say right up front, you need to, again, temper your expectations. I feel like I'm saying that a lot in this episode, but there is something you can do with video game cutscenes, and Halo has some of the best of all time that you just don't see happening in a frequency with the production budget of even a prestige TV series or movie. So we get a few moments of glorious, beautiful, spaceships like stalwart dawn and master chief in his armor and stuff but like there's not a constant science fiction blockbuster feel to the look of this it does take it grounded and get kind of internal into buildings and such so that sets can be a lot more cheap in my opinion i think that that's partially why they have to do it this way the film or the film. It's not a film. It's a TV series. So I watched the first two episodes. I liked it a lot. I'll say that. It starts off by introducing this human colony on the planet Madrigal. And the first 15 to 20 minutes is pretty exceptional as far as introductory experiences go. The Covenant attacks this alien kind of group that we don't know much about. We just know that they're going around taking over human colonies and looking for something. We don't know what or why at this point. And they are really well designed for this TV series. They look appropriately dangerous. They are big. They are fast. Their weapons are powerful. They basically disintegrate humans or amputate limbs in a very bloody fashion that is just like they should. They have these big, terrifying energy swords, and they execute without mercy or consideration at all. And that is how they are in the video games. That's how they are in this initial introduction to them. And I think it works great. The Spartans show up and 
they F it up, okay? Like, they go to work. The way that they show the Spartan team in action with Master Chief at the head is fantastic. They get into the heart of, like, the teamwork that they do. The filmmaking shifts and does some first-person point-of-view stuff as if you're looking through the visor heads-up display of the Spartans. Very video game callback right there with the first-person POV. We get a Spartan superhero landing, and we get quite a few of the iconic Master Chief head nods in response to questions or to conversations. They really focused on the details of the weaponry so and, and the way that you do things in the game. So in order for Master Chief to pick up a heavy weapon and fire it, he has to throw aside his rifle to make room to be able to do that. And those kind of things are shown, and I appreciated that quite a bit. The detail of the weapons and the way that they look is also really strong, and the Spartan armors, they are wearing a different style of armor based on their job type, which is very game accurate. I appreciated that. It's a strong, strong opening. Some of the CGI can look a little funny because the Spartans and the Covenant are essentially like superheroes in their abilities. And so when you have them interacting with humans and compared to actual human movement, it looks a little strange at times. The Covenant and the Spartans have heavy sounding movement. They are tall, strong, powerful, and the humans are just kind of like just this little fodder. And I mean, that's accurate, but it just looks a little weird when a Spartan comes flying across a screen and the humans running and, and just the, the eye test when you see it, it's kind of funky, but it's the way it's kind of has to be as well. They discover something in the first episode. Uh, all I'm going to say is they discover an artifact and the story kind of takes off from there. I won't spoil any other interesting plot points. It does touch on the conflict throughout the first few episodes of the human colonies versus the USNC and how there is a usage of the Spartans across the universe that not all colonies agree with. There's a fight for independence and not wanting to be governed and controlled that's going on. And then there's also this battle brewing, this drama between Dr. Halsey, who works for the USNC and is the creator, a scientist behind the Spartan program. She's also working on creating something else, a new AI, to kind of align with the Spartan program. Game players will absolutely know what I'm talking about. And there are some issues with the way that she is doing things, whether they're ethical or not, and how the USNC views her program and how they want things to be executed in this conflict with the covenant one thing that i will say i don't love is the acting it's serviceable at best i think there's quite a few actors who man it feels like cheap video game acting in a lot of ways unfortunately and another thing is that i knew it was coming master chief takes his helmet off and it happens in episode one so i'm just gonna tell you right off the bat like you're gonna get that out of the way i can't accept the amount of frequency that he had it off though because once we've seen two full episodes 
you see him spending a ton of time out of the helmet. That's just, I get it. You're trying to create a TV show, and so you got this actor, Pablo Schreiber, who's recognizable probably for most folks, and you want people to kind of associate that and make an emotional connection and make Master Chief into a more emotionally driven character that is somewhat more relatable, and it doesn't jive with me in a great way. It's okay. It works well enough, but it will never be able to replicate the mythological kind of feeling I have about Master Chief and the pedestal that I put him on when I don't get to see that, when he is just this Spartan armor and that's it. So it's a give and take that you're going to have to get used to when you're watching this. And again, I get it. I get why we do it on a TV show and we wouldn't necessarily do it in the video games, but mm, yeah, mixed bag overall. So I, I liked it. I thought that It's very interesting the way that they are taking the plot. There are elements of some of the games that I've played. There are elements of some of the books. I know that for a fact because I have a friend who's read them all and I was running things by him. It seems that they're not going to follow the games or the canon timeline perfectly, that they're going to kind of do their own thing, maybe a little bit like Uncharted the movie did, where some will be familiar and similar, but they're going to twist and kind of put things in different order and then be able to introduce some new characters along the way as well. And we'll see if that changes the overall trajectory of the bigger plot of Halo or not over the course of the series. But I saw enough to be excited to definitely recommend it to my friends who love the video game and to say, listen, it's better than it could have been. It's not exceptional by any means. But it absolutely is not a dumpster fire either, and I will personally be tuning in as quickly as I can to the next episode. I'm ready. This will be streaming on Paramount Plus on March 24th. I say, let's go. Bring it. You should watch this. You should check it out if you have any interest in Halo or sci-fi in general whatsoever. Also, it just costs you a couple of hours to find out if it's going to be something that you're interested in. I think there's enough action and enough drama in the two episodes combined that you can make a pretty good determination of whether this whole series would be something you'd enjoy or not. And that's awesome. Well, that's it for this episode of FF plus. Hopefully I've given you some information that will help you make a decision in the coming week. If you do see anything that I chatted about here on the show, come find me and let me know your own thoughts on social media. You can find me at feel and film on Twitter at Aaron O white on letterboxd. Find me in the Feel and Film Facebook discussion group, etc. On Repod, we have a community there to talk about our episodes. All those links are in the show notes, as always. Lastly, if you're enjoying the show, please drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It helps bring more visibility to the show and get more folks into our crowd and ultimately into conversations about movies, because that's what we love the most. I'll be back soon, but until then, keep watching and keep feeling filled.